me speak for just a few moments about communion tonight. When I was a young boy, there was five of us kids, and Mom, of course, was a stay-at-home mom in those days. And uh, she sometimes taught us to come to the table. The meal was ready. And when you read the story that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and also other places in the Bible, it's time to come to the table. And coming to the table is a very important part of our Christian life. Uh, he said he was the bread of life, and the, he was the, his body was the, the bread, and his blood was the life, and life is in the blood. So every time we talk about communion, we're talking about bread spiritually and blood spiritually. We're not going to eat Jesus. He said, eat of my flesh. That, that broken bread is the symbol of the death of Jesus Christ, his broken body. And every time we partake of that tonight, and when we do it, and eat that little wafer that we have, a little piece of unleavened bread, is to remind us we're coming to the table of all tables, getting ready for the big table when we go to heaven. So we look back to history, as I said a while ago, before Jesus was crucified, and he had the service and commanded us to do it until he comes back again. And then we'll sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and have a joyful time of celebration on the other side. But it's always through the blood, all the way through the historical accounts of the Bible, it's the blood. And the bread of Jesus Christ was so important in our life. We need physical life, but we also need spiritual life. And these elements are spiritual, symbolic meaning to what we're going to do tonight. I welcome you to the table tonight. And the Lord says we can come. I'm going to give you just a few thoughts before we do that. Uh, since the time remembers, it's time to have your hands clean. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. Where the Bible says, But let a man examine himself, and no soul let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. This afternoon I took time to evaluate my life, let God shine his light on my life, confess any sins in my life, whether it be pride, whether it be envy or jealousy, or whatever it may be, lustful thoughts, whatever it was, God, I want you to forgive me of all my sins. We're getting ready to do something that you did with your disciples of old. And you told us to examine ourselves. So if you go out and work in the garden or if you work uh, on a car and you get all dirty, you usually wash up before you come in to eat. Usually we're coming to the table tonight, so let's have clean hands. Let's be sure that every sin's been confessed. I know we're not perfect. I know you pretty well, and you know me pretty well. And some of you, all of you, every one of you, have probably sinned somewhere along the way this past week. Have you confessed your sins today to God? You say, I don't have any sins. Wow. God bless you. You're far better than the rest of us. Most of us have some sin we battle in our life all the time. And it's important to keep your sins confessed. One of the things of issues of life is confessing our sins before the Lord. So the hands need to be clean. We may see something that needs to be confessed and cleaned up. So before you take that little piece of bread and that, piece of, that little glass of uh, grape juice, before you take it into your hands, into your mouth, Lord, my hands are clean. As far as I know, I've confessed all sins. If I have not confessed those sins, I just bypass it and come to the altar and pray. Get your heart right with God. He says to examine yourself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. After when? After you examine yourself for coming to the table tonight, so the hands need to be clean. Miss Overcash, I talk about her quite often. Uh, Tyner's knew her years ago, and she finally came to our church. She got saved age 85. And her daughter got saved age 65. And uh, Hallie died when she was 67. But Miss Mary lived to be 97 years old, I believe it was. She called me to the house out in the country above the Indyful Food Store one day, and she said, I need to talk to you. She got saved when she was 85, and I went over to the house. She said, I want to get baptized. 
she was probably pushing 90, 88, or 89, somewhere through there. She hadn't been baptized since she got saved. And I said, why have you waited so long, Miss Mary? She said, because I'm not worthy to be baptized. After all I've done, I'm not worthy. And I said, Miss Mary, you don't have to be worthy. He is. It makes a difference when he's worthy of all the adoration and praise we can give him. And you just tell God you've, you've confessed your sins already? She said, yes. But she says, I'm not worthy to be baptized. And I said, we're going to baptize you with the help of God. And Brother Fred helped me that night to help her. She was an elderly lady. And she came down the steps real slowly and quietly. And Fred stood behind her. So if she you know, got nervous or something, he would catch her if she fell. And then I said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, we baptize this old lady. I was making a joke at the time. And we baptized her. And she went down in the water and come back out. And she, you could just see it on her face, a gleam about obeying God in baptism. I think that same kind of attitude ought to be toward communion. This is something great. I mean, this is something marked in time past, historical, and it's his story. It's history. It's his story. And I'm grateful for that. So I'm grateful. You don't have to be worthy. You never will be worthy of anything. We're worthy of death, hell, and the grave, or death, grave, and hell. We're worthy of that, but God has so ordained it that we can go to his heaven. Number two, there needs to be a hunger in our conscience for God. First Corinthians 10, 31 says... Whether therefore you eat, and this is what you're going to do, you're going to eat a meal tonight. Now, it's not going to fill you up. You'll probably want a hamburger after church. But it's a meal. It's what it is. It's what it's called. Bread and the drink is grape juice, a symbol of wine. And he says, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So as you take communion tonight, you're doing it for the glory of God. Get that impressed in your mind. We're coming to the table of tables that God ordained for us to do regularly in our local churches. Truth, bread, and cup won't fill you up physically, but they'll satisfy spiritual hunger if you let it do it. Do it. God's blood and bread symbolically, imagining the flesh, the body of Christ, that we're able to eat in symbolic language. His death on the cross of Calvary was the most humiliating, the most terrible death that's ever been given probably to any man in all of history. But it was not the pain that killed him. As far as the physical pain, and you've heard me say a lot of times, he took all five wounds that a human could take into his body. You know, laceration, incision, and all the other bruises that you could have. He took every pain you can imagine. But I don't think it was physical pain that killed him. I know he's going to die, but I think it was a broken heart. He died of a broken heart. He had the sins of the whole world from Adam to the last soul that should have graced this earth. Jesus had everybody's sins and took them into his own body for us. If I drink the cup of iniquity, he said, Lord, if it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was willing to take your sin, and he was willing to take my sin, and take it to his own body, and he became sin for us, that we, he that knew no sin what might be made the righteousness of God in him. So I'm glad that our hands can be clean tonight as we examine ourselves. I'm glad we can be conscious that we're doing it for the glory of God. So when it's passed down your aisle, and those parents who let their children participate, you know, you can do that fine, no problem if they've been saved and trusted Christ. Otherwise, you need to buy up. It's, it's, it's serious business. And going back to examination, sometimes if you don't do right, God chastens you. So be sure you do right. Sure, I do right. Let's see all of our sins. You can't think of all your sins sometimes. Maybe there's so, so many of them at times. But you can say, dear Lord, and confess some sins. Call, call them by name. Then, Lord, if I've forgotten anything, would you cleanse me by your precious blood? He not only wants to forgive, but to cleanse us from the guilt of that. So be conscious of that. 
It's blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He's inviting us to the table. So hands to be clean. Hunger needs to be conscious. We need to be in unity tonight. Chapter 10, verse 17. Just back a verse or two. Chapter 10, verse 17. For we being many are one bread. Now get that. For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. That puts us in unity. Everybody here ought to be unified. Do you love God? And all God's people would say, Do you love Fred Tyner? And all God's people would say, There was a few old me's in there, I'm sure there were. But we ought to love each other. You know one characteristic about Christians, they're, they're odd people. Uh, they're peculiar people, I guess that's a good word. Sometimes they'll shake hands with the same people five or six times on a given night or a given service. And I watch from the platform sometimes when people come in, somebody will come down and hug Tina and she'll hug them back. Then you ladies move around and hug each other. And uh, that's great. That's good fellowship. I mean, it's just one of them. Now, you can hug an unsaved person, but there's something about hugging somebody in the family. They're in the family. They've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. All God's children are precious to Him. It doesn't matter where they're at and what color of the skin they are, as I said this morning. They're precious in His sight. And may we not see it, but God looks down on this occasion for these folks that are here tonight, a very precious sight in His presence, and thank God for that. So there needs to be unity in our minds and our hearts toward one another. Be, be quick to forgive, quick to confess, and quick to forgive others as much as lies within you to do so. Number four, there needs to be appreciation for the meal. You know what Jesus did before He ate? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. And the Bible tells us to give thanks when we start taking communion tonight. After they gave thanks, they took the bread. After they gave thanks, they took the grape juice and they drank it in their body. So it's very important. The cost of his meal, it cost him his life. It was an expensive meal. You ever talk about eating an expensive meal, you're going to eat one tonight. Money can't buy it. What we're symbolizing tonight. It's beyond description to know that we had a part and may you not forget tonight, and I'm not, try, not trying to rehearse, re, rehearse the story over and over again that nothing be any better. He was, he was on his mind when he was on the cross. And when he was suffering, looking down through the quarters of time, looking back to the Old Testament times, all those folks no doubt rushed in his mind. He thought about all the people that he was going to see saved through, the, through his precious blood. And so we ought to have a heart of gratitude. Thank God I'm saved. And you ought to be able to say that readily. Thank God I'm saved. I asked somebody yesterday, so it was on visitation. I said, do you know 100% sure you're saved? She said, I know I'm saved. I've rededicated my life, and I just want to do what's right. That's a good testimony to just say, I'm saved. Amen. I'm saved. Somebody says, saved from what? Saved from the judgment and wrath of God. Saved from eternal hell. Saved from all of the heartaches of the past. And every sin that you've ever committed has been forgotten by God. I'll tell you what, that's shouting ground right there. Some of you have done some terrible things and let's just move it up a notch all of us have done some terrible things to know they're all forgiven you say preacher I did some terrible terrible things when I was younger it's all under the blood and somebody said God has Alzheimer's he can't remember one sin what sins are you talking about as far as the east is from the west as far as west is from the east as far as you can go deep in the ocean whether it's six miles or eight miles deep in the deepest part of the ocean your sins have been placed in God's forgive sea of God's forgiveness. There's something about that that's spiritual. 
there's something about that that's more than just taking the physical elements. Oh, well, we're going to take a little piece of bread and a grape juice, and then we go home. Remember, this is coming to the spiritual table that every Christian has the right to, and we ought to. As often as you do it, do it as unto me. Let's not miss the whole point of Christmas. Looking back and looking forward, approach the front. Our men will come forward, and we will partake of the elements tonight. We call it communion. Brother Fred will not pass out. He not pass out. That's not a good word. He will not distribute tonight. We're going to lead him in prayer. He's going to lead in prayer in just a moment. I'll be asking him. He said he'd rather do that. And that's the same with me. If I was trying to pass something out, I'd probably spill it all over somebody. Be my lot in life. But let's come together and stand here, fellas, if you would, in front of our folks and represent the church family.